Welcome back to Third Base Dugout episode 84. And since we last talked to you, a lot of people are in new places. And it all started with Mike's Cardinals, but we will get to that in just a moment. Before we do, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Third Base Dugout and go follow our YouTube page, Dorm Room Sports. So if you're new here, I'm Brian. I'm with Mike here. Shelly's normally here, but he plays D1 baseball and he's just too big for us at this point. So he just, uh, he'll be back at some point. But, um, Mike, this is, it's been, in my opinion, and a little bit underwhelming couple days uh, since baseball ended. However, we're starting to pick up a good bit now. Yeah, I agree. It's, I, I was expecting like complete chaos, you know, at least the next day. So after the CBA was done, um, the next day I was expecting it to just be a madhouse of signs and trades because spring training starts in a couple of days. Um, but yeah, it's been, Underwhelming. Yeah, when they said that free agency was going to be a frenzy right when the lockout ended, I took that to heart and it, nothing really ever happened for the first couple days. And then things started to pick up a little bit and then it got really quiet again. And then today, a couple blockbusters happened and, and now we're we are where we are. And uh, so this basically entire episode is just going to be about that, reacting to those trades and free agency signings. And then we have a couple things of news for you. Uh, one involving the, what a lot of people call is the face of the MLB. Um, but let's get to free agents. So the first signing of the entire offseason was Drew Verhagen, former Tigers pitcher. Pitch, I believe, in uh, in Japan for the last uh, couple of years. Uh, looks like the past two seasons. He's now at the Cardinals. Really not anything to really talk about. I just wanted to signify that as the first signing of baseball. Um, any, signing, any signing that the Cardinals makes is a major trade. So that's not downplay. I mean, is a major signing. Okay. Drew, Drew Verhagen. Uh, Verhagen, hey, this go. guy, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's probably gonna be an all star this year. <laughs> he's probably gonna be an all star this year. He's gonna throw to like a sub two out of the pen and you know, dominate. Um, because he's signed with the Cardinals, that's normally what happens. You come over, you have success. Um, yeah. if you need any more proof, just look at um, Jay Happ last year, look at um, John Lester. We pretty much made him a Hall of Famer in one season, so. You know, just little stuff like that. Just come over, put the birds on a bat on your chest, and and, and immediately become great. I love it. I love it. All right, um, we'll move on to more important matters. Uh, no offense, but uh, the Cubs, who originally were thought to be in the sweepstakes for Carlos Correa, went ahead and signed uh, Andrelton Simmons to a one-year, four million dollar contract. I think it's a good signing for a team that, I mean, in all reality, the division's weak. Um, I, the Reds now are selling. The Pirates are the Pirates. So they're going to lose 110 games for like the 12th straight season. Um, the Cardinals and the Brewers aren't the world beaters in the in the uh, National League. And the Cubs feel like they can compete. So they decided to sell all their players at the deadline last year and now look at them buying in free agency. It's a 
strange, strange thing, but I think they actually underpaid for Andrelton Simmons being the wizard defensively that he is. So $4 million to the Cubbies. Yeah. Like I said, their, their last half of season just doesn't make much sense to me. Like, yeah, you got guys that are underperforming or at least the team was, you know, so you sell off your big guys and um, Rizzo, Bryant, Bias, Schwarber. Like, you let all these guys go, but then you're like, oh, we're going to go for it and compete next year, but the same positions that you're needing are the same ones you traded away, right? Um, you know, so, yeah, you could say money-wise, would it have made sense? But you're still looking at filling some of those same holes, and it wasn't like you had a um, – surplus of talent there already that was going to cover that. So, I mean, Simmons, Simmons is what he is. I mean, he's going to put the ball in play, going to play great defense, but I don't know. Like, they just – I don't know. I'm not going to say anything to help them. I mean, they're the Cubs, so I hope they stink. <laughs> but, you know, you, you go out and you get Stroman, you get Wade Miley, um, you know, pre-lockout. Pre, uh, but I don't know. I just don't – eh, whatever. It's the Cubs. I hope hope they lose. I'm right with you. I, I mean, I've been a big Andrelton Simmons fan since he was with the Braves, just how good of a defensive player he is. Um, so good signing for the Cubs. Uh, moving on to uh, the National League West, uh, San, San Francisco Giants sign Carlos Rodon to a two-year $44 million contract, which also includes an opt-out after the first season. So... This is big because uh, we know that the Dodgers are big spenders. We know that the Padres will always spend as long as AJ Preller is there. And now the Giants, even though they had the miracle run last year, they are looking to spend even without Kevin Gossman at the head of that rotation. Uh, so Kevin Gossman is a pretty decent, or sorry, Carlos Rodon is a pretty decent replacement for Kevin Gossman at the top of that rotation. And I think they play, uh, I think they made a good move here, but I think the price might be a little bit steep for a guy who hasn't, has only really shown one year of success. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially for the one year of success part, but I think that he has a chance to at least pitch to the value of his contract. Um, being in the NL West, you're playing in some bigger ballparks. Um, so he's not going to get taken advantage of that much on a long ball. You know what I mean? It's still, for him, it's a matter of health. Um, but you're playing in those bigger ballparks to give him a little bit more leeway there. Um, you know, so I think that, like I said, it was a solid pickup. You, you're starting to feel some of that Galsman shoes just left behind. Um, but he has a chance to at least pitch to the value of his contract and re-enter free agency next year. You know, so it's a similar deal to like a Noah Syndergaard um, that if you honestly want to look at it, it's really just a one-year deal for 22 mil you know, with a chance to go back out there next year and really strike a long-term deal. So uh, solid pickup. Um, so him and Logan Webb are going to be underrated, I think, in the NL West as a one-two punch. Yeah, and I mean, you can't really forget that three-four punch right there, too. I mean, Anthony Anthony Descofani and Alex Wood also had pretty good years last year. Yeah. Um, so that's a pretty good rotation that they have there in San Fran. I think it's going to be a matter of how their hitting will hold up. Um, I mean, you have no Posey who – arguably was the best hitter on the Giants last year, and then probably no Chris Bryant again. So now where's that production going to come from this year? And I don't think you can 
you, I don't think you can count on uh, the Brandons, Belton, Crawford to have the years they did last year. Um, you know, so it's going to be some regression between those two. Um, I still think they'll be very solid and competitive. One thing that I'll give Gabe Kapler for, uh, credit for in the job he's done there was that um, his ability to mix and match guys, you know, throughout the lineup and, you know, not afraid to pinch it for a guy in the fourth inning, you know, and do stuff like that. Um, I think those platoon advantages gave them, you know, a big lift last year. We'll see if it can repeat this year. But, you know, all in all, solid pickup for them. Uh, still think that puts them second in the division, maybe even third. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get to season predictions probably about a week before the season yeah. um, after all these signings have cooled down a bit. Everybody's in their new places. Um, but Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. The Cardinals win the World Series this year. Mm. Mm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll stick in the NL West. Uh, the last signing of March 11th, uh, future Hall of Famer and three-time Cy Young Award winner Clayton Kershaw stays with the Los Angeles Dollar Dodgers dollars pretty much the los angeles dollars um but uh the dodgers in a uh one year 17 million dollar deal um you got to keep your guy i mean that's that's all this is is uh, he made his living in 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 la and he wants to stay there and he didn't want to go back home to texas yeah i i seen an interesting stat on him though that he's pitched like a sub three era over like the last 10 years that's crazy to think about, you know, even with, I think over his, I don't know. I don't remember how many years he's been in the league, but I think he's only had one year over a four ERA. Yeah. And that was his rookie year. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. And then after that, it's been it's just absurd. a run of brilliance. Yeah. Um, he's one of those guys that you're just like, he wouldn't look right in another team's uniform. You know, it just feels right for him that you're like, okay, you know, come back, finish out whenever you're ready. You know, but it also gives them some depth there in a place that they were going to need it, you know, because after you go Bueller and um, Urias at the top of that rotation, you know, you had a few question marks there, at least Kershaw. You figure if he's healthy or semi-healthy, he's always going to, you know, pretty much give you a quality start, give you a chance to win that game, you know, so. And we'll see what the um, league does with Trevor Bauer at this point as they have extended yeah. his administrative leave. So yes. Rodgers decided to keep his contract. <laughs> and if he's able to come back, then all of a sudden that's a four headed monster at the top of that rotation again. Right. Um, all right. Moving on to the next day. Let's go ahead and I'm not going to kill the two birds with one stone yet um let's go to Yusei kikuchi signing with the toronto blue jays a three-year 36 million dollar contract was really good in the first half of the season last year then pitched to a near five era after the all-star break after he was an all-star in colorado he then pitched to a near five era after that it was terrible for the back half of the season um, but he earns a uh, three-year, thirty-six million-dollar contract, so thirteen AA, thirteen mil AAV. Not quite what Kershaw's getting. Definitely not even close to what Rodon's getting. But I think it's if you can build on that upside that they that he showed in the first half of last season, I think the Blue Jays can make it work. And he's not the only um, not the only um, Asian player in that rotation now. As Hyunjin Ryu is also uh, at the top of that rotation. 
Yeah. And you look at that, like, I, I think that, you know, for all the people to say wins don't matter, he's going to rack up a few more wins this year simply because their offense is so potent. Yeah. Right. So like you, it, it's one thing to, if you struggle a little bit, you can kind of get by if your offense is picking you up. Um, Seattle for as good as surprising as they were, they went through some stretches there where they weren't, you know, really hitting the ball well, but you're not really going to run into that that often in Toronto. So, you know, he has a chance to be sneaky, good, you know, sliding in fourth there, you know, cause you got uh Gaussman, Barrios, Ryu, you know, and he's, I would say ceiling, he's a, you know, a three starter, but you know, you're putting up, putting him up against four and fives, you know, almost most times through the rotation, he's going to have a chance to be the best pitcher on those days. That five man rotation right now is Kevin Gossman at the, up at the top, Jose Barrios at the two, Hinjin Ryu at the three, Yusei Kikuchi at the four and Alec Manoa at the five. That's a really dang good rotation. Very good. And they I mean, in, in at least my opinion, I think they are a not even good, not even great bullpen, but a solid bullpen away from being World Series contenders. I can see you can't. That. You, the Braves showed last year you can't win in the world. You can't win the World Series without a solid bullpen. Right. Uh, that is just the way it is because the bullpen you have to have. Excuse my French, but nuts of steel. Like I mean, then Tyler Matzik showed that. I mean, when he when he uh, struck out Mookie Betts, Albert Pujols, and Steven Souza to to escape that seventh inning, all of a sudden, like that shifted things for the Braves in that series with the Dodgers, and all of a sudden, the Braves go on to win the World Series. So the, the Blue Jays have to have that that good bullpen, solid bullpen to counter with that offense and that starting rotation to be World Series contenders out of the East. And I agree. I think that when you also look at the back part of their bullpen, uh, Jordan Romano was a breakout star for them last year. Um, I think at this point, you say to Nate Pearson, let's not worry about being a starter. Let's be a closer, man. You throw 102. Yeah. Like, let's just – air it out, you know, for, for an inning, you know, maybe go two innings if needed, you know, but then you start to add some depth there, you know, you pick up a few more pieces, obviously to, to go around those guys. Cause you know, we've seen teams that have had two or three reliable guys in the bullpen. And, you know, by the end of the second half, you know, they're gassed from having to go out every game, you know, but with those two guys in the back end, they can really start to shorten games, you know, find a couple other reliable guys in between there then I could definitely see them, you know, making that push. Yeah, and um, they also have hard thrower Julian Merriweather that is still um, – that he started a couple games last year. I think he will slot in that bullpen nicely as a hard thrower. Um, and speaking of hard throwers, let's move on to the next team. Uh, the White Sox add Josh Harrison and Joe Kelly. That now – that bullpen now consists of five guys that throw 98-plus consistently. So you have Joe Kelly, Garrett Crochet, uh, Kendall Graveman, Craig Kimbrell, and Liam Hendricks all in that bullpen. They're going to be throwing fuego at you from the fifth inning on. Did, did you mention Kopech? I did not mention Kopech because I don't know if Kopech's going to be a starter again, if, if, okay. if he's finally going to be a starter without Rodon in the rotation. Okay. But yeah, if but... he's in the bullpen, then there's six guys that throw 98 plus. Right. And I. I wouldn't be surprised though if even if we look at it here in a couple weeks or so, 
if they're down to five of those, I don't see Kimbrough sticking around. Um, but you know, that's a talk for another day to a degree. But either way, that's a still a very solid bullpen that can give you a lot of vibes of the Kansas City Royals, you know, the year that they won it. Uh, well, the two years that they went to the World Series, one year winning, uh, gives you a lot of those vibes, shut down guys that if you're just saying, hey, give me an inning, you know, and then you already have some horses in your rotation, especially with Lance Lynn, who's going to compete and give you six or seven every night, mm-hmm. you know, that he's on the mound, that you say, okay, at least that's some built-in rest for the bullpen. Um, but down that stretch, you're saying, hey, starters, if you can give me five quality innings, we have a good chance to win because of what we got sitting in the pen there. Yeah, absolutely. And Josh Harrison's a good signing. He can play just about anywhere mm-hmm. in the infield other than pitcher and catcher. He can play out in the outfield. Very good signing. Always a good platoon guy. And he's just – I mean, everybody's very well known as a locker room guy. So, uh, moving on here, how about a trade? Uh, the Mets acquired Chris Bassett in, in a deal with the A's, one of the two big deals that the A's have made. We'll talk about the second one in a minute. Um, but Chris Bassett – uh, goes for, uh, I believe, JT Ginn and another prospect. Uh, but Bassett, uh, an all-star, now goes into a rotation with Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, Taiwan Walker, and Carlos Carrasco. And there is one of the best uh, pitching rotations in baseball. I agree. Uh, I was more impressed. I, was, I mean, because you know what you get out of the other guys, you know, from DeGrom when healthy, Scherzer, you know what you're going to get from him. But – Taiwan Walker pitched really, really well last year. You know, he had stretches where he was almost unhittable. For the basically you know, the first so, three quarters of the season, he really fell off yeah. when the Mets started losing games. But yeah, yeah, first three quarters of the season, he was great. Yeah. So, you know, you you bring that guy back with, you know, everything else. And Chris Bass is definitely gonna give him a bump. But again, he's one of those guys, sort of like a coochie, that will benefit from, you know, sliding down in a rotation. His numbers will probably look a little bit better. You know, because he's going to get some of those games where it's, you know, him throwing up against a four guy when he has, you know, one or two type stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and throwing up against a four or five or, you know, those those rest days or off days for some of the other teams, you know, in a series where it's the getaway game, you know, being able to have that advantage there. So and he have, does, I think you'll have a good season. And he does leave a pitcher's ballpark and enter a somewhat hitters ballpark so something to keep an eye on there oakland is a massive pitchers ballpark um and city field is known to be at least a little bit of a boom box i mean not 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 like a yankee stadium or or a course field by any means or or wrigley but it is to be known as somewhat of a boom box there so interesting to see what chris bassett does him and uh max scherzer are very interesting characters this year scherzer his really only downfall is flaw downfall is that he's susceptible to the long ball so i'm curious to see how that happens now scherzer's pitched in a hitter's ballpark before in washington so i don't think it's as big of an issue as we think because i think he's just flat out good enough but chris bassett might be a guy where you might see something where he hasn't been anywhere but oakland we'll see how he does in a hitter's ballpark i agree um, let's move on here. Just a couple more signings that day. We don't have to talk about these. Uh, Steve Ciszek went to the Nationals, uh, one-year contract, and uh, Jordan Lyles went to the Orioles on a one-year contract. Um, good pickup for the Orioles there. I, I like what they're doing. Just get guys for one-year contracts while you're trying to rebuild, and then just keep basically the pitchers flowing in there while your prospects develop. Um, moving on here, 
let's go with the Twins. Get Sonny Gray from Cincinnati. This was one of the few one of the few things that Cincinnati did over the course of the past couple of days. Um, Chase Petty, the former number one, or excuse me, former first round draft pick from the Twins, uh, goes to Cincinnati in the deal, and then another right-handed pitcher, um, I believe, also goes to Cincinnati in the deal. But Sonny Gray now headed to the Twins, who seemingly have taken that new draft lottery to heart because it doesn't seem like they're tanking anymore. It looks like they're trying to win some baseball games out there. So Sonny Gray, new face in a new place. Um, I don't really have much on this. I don't really know what the Twins are doing. I don't. I don't think. They, I think they need to pump the brakes a little bit because the White Sox are going to win that division. However, and in all reality, the wild card is not very reachable for them. So I'm not exactly sure what's going on here. But yeah, for for them, it's simply division winners or 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 being at home. You know, once the season ends. Um, yeah, like. Uh, I'm just kind of ah on that one. You know I mean, like for, for Sonny Gray, like he had a last year was a little bit of a up and down, but he had a really good um, 20. But, you know, that could also be attributed to a shortened season. So his numbers, you know, looked a little bit different. Um, it's still a solid pitcher, you know, still a guy that's going to compete for you. But like I said, I don't, this doesn't move the needle, you know, for them for, really anything um so yeah 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 um i actually am gonna backtrack a little bit to then go forward into the future a bit uh let's stick with the twins here and let's go through the three trades that they did so this was the second trade of the three the first trade that they did they um sent mitch garver their catcher to texas who then sent Isaiah Kiner Falefa and I actually believe that was it. So they send basically Isaiah Kiner Falefa to the uh, to the Twins, and Mitch Garver was headed to the Rangers. This is important because Isaiah Kiner Falefa and Josh Donaldson were then dealt to the Yankees yesterday in a trade to send Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela to. The twins. That this was an A plus trade on both sides, by the way. I love the trade for both. We go B plus for okay. Being honest, I'll probably go C for um for Minnesota. And then probably B plus B to B plus for the Yankees. I'll tell you why in a second, but one of the other throw-ins for that deal, which not a disrespect for you, but another add-on. Um, ben Rolvelt or something like that. He's a yes. he's a backup catcher, um, but he has ties to the Yankees. One of the Yankees coaches that was with him in Minnesota, or whatever, and he's looked at as a been a good platoon guy, great defensive catcher, or at least measured out pretty well for them. Um, the reason I say it's a C for the Twins, Gio Urshela was obviously the prize for them in that one. You get younger, you get better defensively. But you basically traded Mitch Garver for Mitch Garver, right? When you got back Gary Sanchez, like they're they're essentially the same hitter. Yes, 
Garrett could be more prolific in, in his power stretches, but I mean, he's awful behind the plate, you know, for you to go and get, get these pitchers that you're bringing in and to have them throw to a very subpar defender behind the plate, that doesn't help you. Um, and then you give up, you, you have a chance to have your shortstop right there and kind of for left, they can at least keep you competitive, you know, in a lot of ways. Yes, Donaldson's getting older, but he didn't play bad last year. You know, you basically give them up for Gio Urshela. Uh, whereas with Falefa's demand being so high, I'm pretty sure you could have got more, you know, than just Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. Um, on the Yankee side, yeah, you completely made over your whole left side of your infield. But again, it comes down to Donaldson's durability. There, he's he's had some injury his uh, injury history in the past. Yes, being in Yankee Stadium, he's going to hit bombs, right? But I don't know. I just didn't really see them maximize, or didn't see the Twins maximizing the return they could have gotten for Falefa because he was in such high demand. So that's why I say it's to see. Yes, you dumped fifty million off of Donaldson's salary, but what does that here, really count for? Here is my quick synops- synopsis of. Oh, both of these um, for both of these moves. So the Twins got Gio Urshela, who is a very good defensive third baseman, a guy who is not expensive. That is the big word that I'm going to use for the Twins. Inexpensive. They got rid of a $21 million contract in Josh Donaldson, and they basically used Isaiah Conner-Falefa to send him somewhere to get other players. Like They, they didn't really want a Conner-Falefa. They used him as trade bait, basically. And Gary Sanchez is another cheaper option. However, you are correct that they basically traded Mitch Garver for Mitch Garver. But at the same time, they saved money. And that's what you do as a rebuilding team is you save money. And in terms of saving money, then you can buy more players when it comes time. However, on the Yankees side of things, the Yankees had the money to do this and they went and got a third baseman that was going to be, I think, more of an it factor than people realize. I think Josh Donaldson is going to protect a lot of people in that lineup or a lot of people will protect Josh Donaldson. Really, the other, really either way around. I mean, two through like six, the Yankees are going to mash like 30 home runs. However, Isaiah Connor Fleffa is a cheap shortstop. They elected instead of trying to go for a massive long-term deal with Trevor Story or Carlos Correa, they went with the gold glove shortstop because Glaber Torres is a terrible defender, terrible defensive player. You go get a gold glove at shortstop, and now you're sitting pretty because then you can go get a first baseman, a.k.a. Freddie Freeman, a.k.a. Anthony Rizzo, because we'll talk about Matt Olson in a minute. But Anthony Rizzo and Freddie Freeman are still on the market. You can go get two of those guys, and all of a sudden you put DJ at second, and you can trade Gleyber Torres. So you go get that gold glove shortstop so you don't have to deal with the long-term contract, and you pay your third baseman right now who only has two years left, and then you go get a shortstop later down the road. So I can I can see your point, but just to kind of poke holes in a little bit, we say the Twins are rebuilding, but yet they go and make a trade for Sonny Gray. 
Right. That I don't seem know like what it, they're doing. I, right. I'm, so, I'm really confused. So, so it doesn't seem much like a rebuild, but on the other side of it, it's the reason that the Yankees weren't going after a high dollar shortstop because they didn't want to commit to the years on it was because of um, their two shortstop prospects that they have coming up. Uh, I believe it's Anthony Volpe and Jose Peraza. Yes. Volpe, so, yeah. Volpe, excuse me. But in that, you're trying to protect or at least keep a path open for them. Mm-hmm. You can't block but, them. Right. So what that's do you, why you with, don't? That's why you don't get Correa and, and Story. But what are you doing with Falefa? Because he now has – it's not like he's a year away from free agency or, or a stopgap in a lot of ways. He's – I think he has at least two to three more years of control yeah, you can say, okay, well, down the line, you know, or next year or at some point this year, we can slide him over to third. But then we're also having to factor in how healthy Stanton can possibly be for the full season to play the outfield the whole time. You know, so there's a lot of different pieces there that I'm just like, if this move was made to go get, and yes, we're going to talk about it later, but this move was made with the idea of, hey, we're going to have to give up Volpe or Peraza to get Matt Olson then it makes a little bit more sense to me. But you're still blocking this guy with, like you said, a gold glove defender, somebody that's proven defensively and can swing it a little bit, and you're blocking. So I'm going to stop you right there. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa has a one-year left on his contract, then he hits arbitration, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. So two years. Those are his next three years, uh, okay. in which arbitration you can re- sort of basically restructure a contract, per se. Um and you also got to realize Isaiah Connor Falefa can play literally anywhere, and he's a gold glover there. Yeah, he doesn't have to play now, shortstop. Right now, if if the internal move is because I've thought about this as well, and I actually believe I texted you about it. If you're moving Falefa back behind the plate, where he graded out very good defensively, it was just Texas moved him because it had some other holes. Then yeah, on the it can make sense, but I think that if you're already penciling them in as your everyday shortstop, then, you know, that's kind of, I don't know, like I said, it still blocks blocks guys because you just named off basically two to three years of control. And you're, you're thinking that Volpe or Peraza, one of them are very close to debuting this year. If you know that two years down the road, okay, this makes sense, but you're saying that they're very, like, you're, you're under this belief as the Yankees that one of them are close enough that you didn't want to go get a big time proven guy to be your shortstop for right now because you want to keep keep you know open for them. So like I said, it I don't know. This is my last thing on the Yankees. I think a lot of people are missing the point on the Yankees here. Their outfield looks like Giancarlo Stan, Joey Gallo, and Aaron Judge. None of those three are center fielders. None of them. Zero zero okay, of the three. Zero of the three. Right. Um, and Brett Garner is not a reliable center fielder anymore, and he's not a reliable DH. So, in turn, you can stick the two two of those three on the corners, put Isaiah Kiner-Falefa in center field, and you can DH the other outfielder. When Volpe or um, what's-his-face come up. Yeah, but now, I think there are do? options for the Yankees that, they, that Isaiah Kiner-Falefa gives to them more than Carlos Correa or Trevor Story does. And that part is is agreeable to to an extent. You're like he's definitely a, a Swiss Army knife for them or can be. 
but we're also overlooking that their real their real center fielder is Aaron Hicks. Eh. So it, that's that's who yeah, until I mean, he got he hurt, is. he carried. Yeah, right. So out of those, even if you're looking at it defensively, right now, if you say Aaron Hicks is not your guy, Gallo will probably be your guy in center. You know, on most days, out of that lineup of Stanton, um, Gallo, and Joe, uh, yeah, out of those three, Gallo will play center for you. But again, then you're taking out Aaron Hicks, who at that point would give you uh, the potential for at least another left-handed bat because right now you only have one left-handed bat in your entire lineup, and that's Joey Gallo. You know, so that's again, where the it, first baseman's probably going to come in at some point. I mean, your two bit first base options are basically Anthony Rizzo and Freddie Freeman, both of which are left-handed hitters. Right. Now, like I said, I, I I will be interested to see how this plays out over the next little bit. Like not just once, not just in the season, but before the season starts. Mm-hmm. You know, through spring training, how this plays out, because like I said, I think that in these in this case, you have a lot of light pieces that doesn't match, right? Like, especially in your outfield, Stanton judge is like the exception that he hits for a little bit better average, but Stanton Gallo and judge are pretty much, you know, home run guys or not really that great average, you know? So it's, you got a lot of pieces that look the same, but they just don't fit. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Um, The big thing, I mean, I think the thing that we can agree about um, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is that he is wildly underrated. Yeah. I mean, you're a gold glove short, you're a gold glove player almost anywhere in the field, including catcher, which is crazy. Uh, and he, I know you don't like this stat, however, but it just goes to show how good he actually is. Um, of shortstops with at least five or higher war so wins are probably placement and 230 or more hits since 2020 so in the last two basically one and a half seasons because 2020 was like a half season trey turner tim anderson isaiah kind of end of list yeah that's a pretty dang good list to be on it is which is also why i give the twins a c because i felt like that for what you just listed there, they should have been able to get more other than just getting out of Donaldson's contract. I, I mean, I, I agree. I agree. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not a Gary Sanchez fan by any means. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's move on. Enough talk about the Yankees. They don't deserve enough of our. Uh, no, because we, we missed one very important sign in, by the way. Uh, Nick Whitgren went to the Cardinals. Oh, we were getting there. We were getting there. We were we were st- we were still on. Uh, oh, actually, no. That Josh Donaldson uh, trade happened the same day. Oh no, the, the day after the uh, the Isaiah kind of fluff one. Never mind. All right. Yes, Nick Wickren went to the Cardinals. Um, he was horrendous with the Guardians last year. Um. <laughs> Went two and nine with a 505 ERA in 60 games out of the bullpen for Cleveland. So let's hope he turns that around for your sake, Mike. It's the it's the power of the uh, Mike Maddox mustache and the vice grips on your shoulder <laughs> during pressure situations. That's immediately lowers your ERA by one run. So <laughs> he's already at a four something now, which is pretty solid for a bullpen guy. 
He won't go. He won't go two and nine because he's not going to be involved in that many decisions. But like I said, having that Mike Maddox mustache come out and talk to you and put a vice grip on your shoulder while you're trying to pitch, cutting off blood circulation, you wonder why you can't throw strikes after that. That's normally why (laughs) because you're still trying to get the feeling back in your pitching arm. So yeah, right. um, Uh, Yeah. So. Moving on, Brad Boxberger returns to the Brewers, a one-year, $2.5 million contract. Really not much to talk about there. It's, I mean, nice. He'll be a seventh-inning guy. Um, Brad batting practice. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and then probably biggest, at least free agent signing of the day um, was – Nelson Cruz signs with the Nationals for a one-year, $15 million deal. This was another one of those that just blew my mind. I, I, I don't understand what these teams are doing. I guess the CBA scare teams out of tanking because they're going out of the rebuild like half a season into the rebuild. Like the Nationals gave up their entire franchise outside of Juan Soto last year at the deadline. And here we are buying Nelson Cruz for $15 million as a 42-year-old to play to be DH for you. It's beyond me. Beyond me. Don't understand it. I don't understand this more on Nelson Cruz's part than I do the Nationals' part. I understand, at least for the Nationals' sake, they're like, you know what? Maybe we can t- contend a little bit. I don't know. We have Juan Soto. Let's not waste his years. I don't understand this on Nelson Cruz's part. Who the hell wants to go and play in Washington right now? Apparently Nelson Cruz, like <laughs> he's just like to me, it's like ah, okay, I'll sign here. What I honestly think that it was was it was a matter of money because for right before that came out, it was rumored between the Padres and the Dodgers as the last two teams. And I know the Nationals did not outbid the Dodgers or Padres, but I think that they did though. I think they did, but it wasn't by a whole bunch. Like I think the Padres probably hit him with like let's say nine, right? It was like, hey, one year, nine year, uh, one year, nine mil. The Dodgers probably were at like 12 and the Nationals like, oh, what are you, 15? And I honestly think that's what it was. Like, I don't think that because if you're going there to win, especially at this point in your career, uh, bad decision making. But if you're going there for the bag, hey, you won, right? He will probably he will probably be somewhere else by the middle of the season. Um and he'll probably still end up in the Dodge with the Dodgers or the Padres around the um, around the trade deadline. So that's pretty much it. Yeah, probably. Um, all right, let's move on to today, March fourteenth. Started this morning. Uh, the Phillies added Brad Hand to the bullpen on a one-year, six million dollar contract. I love it for the Phillies. They had a horrible bullpen last year. We all know they're always going to be buyers, no matter what their situation is. We knew we saw when they got Didi Gregorius, and then when they got Bryce Harper, etc. They are always going to be buyers just because they're the Phillies. And they go out and they help their bullpen out. And that is one of the most important things that you can possibly do in an offseason is help your bullpen out. And they did. They realized the biggest weakness on their team. And they got somebody to add to it. Yeah, I completely agree. Not much to that one. No, um, it's the Phillies. Like, they'll be 81 yeah. and 81 like at the end of the season. So Probably like- because the Braves and the Mets are going to just run away with that. Yeah. They, much. Right now they're starting to give me like cowboy vibes. 
like <laughs> you know they come in with all this hype of like oh we're gonna be great this year and then it's just 500 like yeah, right exactly um and then probably the biggest blockbuster trade of the entire offseason up to this point the Atlanta Braves and the Oakland Athletics agreed on a trade that sends Matt Olson to Atlanta for Christian Pache, Shailing Lears, Ryan Kusick, and Joey Estes. Ryan Kusick and Joey Estes are just kind of basically add-ons to this. Pache is a highly talented prospect for the Braves center fielder, and then Shailing Lears was a former first-round draft pick for the Braves. Um, this is massive. I mean, it very underestimatingly so massive um, because this tells you a lot of what you need to know that Freddie Freeman will 99% likely not return to the Atlanta Braves. And in my opinion, I know a lot of Braves fans hate the fact that Freddie's not coming back, but if he doesn't want to be there, you go and get the second best option. And Matt Olson is probably is probably the third best first baseman in baseball outside of Vlad Jr. and Freddie Freeman. You're forgetting about a guy. He is better than Paul Goldschmidt, so we can stop that right now, Mike. But is he, though? He I mean, is. Is he, is he, he though? is. I don't know. He is, like, Mike. Okay. He is. So that is not at, the point of the discussion. It is, because like no, you, you took it there. You did this. You did this, okay? And plus, Shelly would be mad if I didn't drag you at least down, uh, down at least one <laughs> rabbit hole. This is it. Okay. We went down the Yankees rabbit hole. Well, yeah, but I didn't drag you down that one. Uh, <laughs> Gold is uh, I would I wouldn't say he's number one, right? He's definitely not but, number one or two. But you're he's just not better than like, Freddie Freeman. But you no, I and I didn't. So Freddie Freeman, I would say is the best first baseman in baseball right now. But when you look at the total package, offensively and defensively. I can't put just as an overall player, even base running. I can't put Vlad above him. Offensively, yes, like his his back carries him. But they, so need I remind you, he won a triple crown last year. No, no, I mean that's great. That's offensively, but what do you do for me defensively? Like you've already had to switch positions twice, right? Like so, you went from third to first, and then at some point you kind of settled in as the DH because you have some deficiencies in the field. So you don't make your infield better. You don't make your teammates better in that way. But then also even base running wise, like Goldie still steals you a few bases every once in a while, better base runner, like the overall player. If we're not just looking at the offensive numbers, we're looking at a ball player. I'm going with Goldie. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, he plays for the team that I root for. I'm just saying that in general, you know, he brings so much more of a value, especially defensively, than Vladdy does. But to to your point, Olsen is probably number two, you know, on that because he does pick it with the best of them, you know, and he hits, you know, he hits tanks. His de- his deficiency before was his average. Like, he was always going to give you the power, but the average wasn't there. You know, the last couple years he's starting to put it together, and he hits lefty as well. You know, so lefty, lefty, you don't really have too much of an advantage there. So I'm trying to figure out as to how Matt Olson is worse than Paul Goldschmidt. I didn't. I didn't say. I just said he was number two. Okay, fair enough. I said he was fair number enough. two. Wait. So you hold on. So you're saying Vladdy's number four? Yeah. 
because overall, like his offense, yes, outweighs a lot of it. Like, even if we want to just throw stuff on the wall, Vlad is the best offensive first baseman in the game. I'll put him even above uh, Freddie Freeman as far as overall hit tool and power. Yes, he just won a triple crown. That shows enough, right? But at the same time, when you have to play on the other side of the ball, if he was purely a DH, obviously he wouldn't be in this conversation. But as a pure first baseman, I just don't think that he's good at, that good defensively to put him up there with that top three, you know, in first baseman. Yes, his offense is enough to put him at four for me. All right, so... Go ahead, hit me with the participation trophies. I'm not. I'm actually going with your standard stats here. Vladdy Jr. had a 993 fielding percentage at first base last year. I'm going to go look at Paul Goldschmidt. Who won a gold glove, by the way? So I will give him that. I've said. 998. Really not that far off. Uh, yes, it is. I yes, mean, it is. Two errors for Goldie to wait for it. Wait for it. Okay. Eight errors over 133 games at first place. At first base. I mean, 993 to 998. I mean, in my opinion, it's not far enough off to take a triple crown away from him being better than Goldschmidt, but. <laughs> like the the triple crown, yes. Like I said, I offensively puts him up there. But not only the fact that Goldie had a better fielding percentage, but think about how many more errors that he might have saved the other guys on the field by his ability to to pick it to come up with scoops that Vladdy's not coming up with. So some of those errors that would have been on shortstops, the second baseman, third baseman, you know, Goldie's making those plays to save those guys. Whereas Vlad is like, okay, let me go get the ball. I have to bounce off the net behind me. But I digress. We'll agree to disagree there. At the end of the day, the Braves went and got the next best option outside of Freddie Freeman. And they gave away a rather large package because Christian Pache is a MLB ready center fielder. And Shay Langliers is a very highly touted catcher in the, in the farm system. However, Matt Olson is a gold glove first baseman who is – I'm going to say this before we go down a rabbit hole. One of the best defensive first basemen in baseball because I know that you would yell at me for that one. I know it. I, I just know it. Um, he is one of the best defensive first basemen in baseball. He actually had 22 of his 39 home runs against left-handed pitching last year. So he basically escapes the lefty-lefty matchup because, well, if you can hit a majority of your home runs against the same hand, that eliminates a matchup problem for, for, for yourself. And he batted, uh, I believe, around 270, I believe. Let me fact-check that one. Uh, but he had 111 RBIs in Oakland, a team that really wasn't incredible last year but um either way let me get to matt olson here just to get his exact stats for you guys in 2021 matt olson batted 
271 with 39 home runs, 111 RBIs, had a slugging percentage of 540, an OPS of 911, and a near six war. Um, add that on to being a top-tier defensive first baseman in baseball, and you've got a very good first baseman on your hands who can protect a lot of people in the lineup. Very true. Um, I, I'm more so intrigued by the return that the A's got because I think that that signals some other stuff. Um, you bring in Christian Pache, like I said, who's an MLB-ready center fielder, struggled in his brief times up with Atlanta. Struggled but, batting. He is a very, yeah. very, very capable fielding center fielder. He is very good in the field. That part I agree with, 100%. Basically a right-handed Jackie Bradley Jr. Great comparison. But you also look at their outfield. Also, by the way, we love JBJ. Former podcast guest, we love him. Love you, JBJ. Just get better at hitting lefties a little bit. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I was glad to see you couldn't do it last year against my, you know, team in St. Louis. But either way, um, (laughs) it's it's an interesting return because Pache, now do you move Ramon Laureano? over to left or right because, I mean, the guys warned you. you If anything, right field, Loriano's arm is too strong for left. I think you you keep Loriano in center just because of his tenure there. I I don't think you do that to him. I think you move Pache over to right. I think Pache's got a really good arm, so I think he he could slide over to right. He's got a lot of ground to cover in in the Oco, though. I mean, that place is huge. But then on the other side of it, excuse me. We'll edit that out. Um, <laughs> Big yawn the, for Mike. <laughs> right. Old man on, on the pod. Um, no, but with with Langleers over there, from all accounts, it's not that he's that far off from being from being ready. But you also have Sean Murphy there, who was another guy that you just brought up recently. You know, so where do you go with him? Is he trade bait or is he – you know, what do you do with him? But that's that's why like, I think that it was interesting. Trying, like, could you have possibly gotten, you know, an infielder thrown in that mix? Or could you have gotten, you know, some younger pitching, um, you know, in that mix for your return? You know, but to get two guys in positions where you have potential guys to build around, I don't know, that seems a little shaky to me. I think Sean Murphy is – and Sean Murphy and Sean Manaya, I think, will be the next – Two to be traded out of Oakland. John Murphy's got a very high trade value because of how good of a defensive catcher he is. I think, um, and, and he's young as well. I believe he's still on the rookie contract, so that helps teams out a lot where you can get that that type of catcher on, on a rookie contract. Um, so be aware of him. And I know uh, they've been looking to shop uh, Manaya and Montas out of Oakland. So, um, be aware for those two to be dealt as well. Um, let's go ahead and move on from this. Um, later, the last trade to come through in the time uh, before we are recording this podcast, uh, the Mariners improve their lineup. They get outfielder Jesse Winker, who made an all-star game, and third baseman Eugenio Suarez. For Justin Dunn, Jake Fraley, and uh, 2019 second-round pick Brandon Williamson, who apparently has been 
uh, has been very well talked about in that uh, Mariners organization. However, I think this is a, I think these are phenomenal moves by, um, by the Mariners. I mean, and already on the grand scope of things, they've got this offseason, they've got Robbie Ray, they've got Adam Frazier, they've got Jesse Winker, and they've got Eugenio Suarez. Aside from Suarez, who I know had a bad year last year, 2019, he hit 41 home runs, excuse me, 49 home runs. So let's just think about that for a second, batted like 290. Um, Adam Frazier was an all star last year and has had one bad season in his entire career. Robbie Reyes had two seasons outside of his rookie year and outside of the COVID year, has had two seasons of the six with an above a four ERA. So he's been pretty good, and he just won a Cy Young last year. And then Jesse Winker has not been in the league for long, but really came into his own last year, making an all-star game, hitting like 35-plus home runs. The Mariners were a 90-win team last year, and they got better. This division, I... Again, excuse my French. This division is going to literally shit on the A's. I feel so bad for them. They might not win a game in the division all year. (laughs) I mean, you look at the Astros. (laughs) You look at the Angels, who have improved their pitching, by the way. Um, You look at the Mariners, who are a 90-win team and just got better. And you look at the Rangers and all the signings that they have made. And then the lowly A's have just decided to sell everyone in their system, or excuse me, everyone in their major league, on their major league team. And they are literally going to come in last of that division by like 20 games. I agree. It's going to take it. They're going to be the, they're going to be the seller for sure. They're going to be the seller. But um, my prediction that I've already made spoiler alert. um, I've said that the Mariners are going to win that division. And this solidifies it in a lot of ways. You cover two big areas with one trade. Whereas the talk was to get Chris Bryant because he can be versatile to enough to play infield or outfield. Now you don't have to worry about it as much, you know, because Suarez is going to play by all accounts a respectable third. You get Winker in the outfield um, with Kyle Lewis, Jared Kelnick, who, you know, started to figure it out towards the end of the season. You still got Julio Rodriguez, who's knocking on the doorstep there. Also, um, you're probably full-time DH at this point in Mitch Hanniger. Yeah. Um, and then – had a really infield, good year last year, by the way. Right. And you go in the infield with Suarez, um, who, like we said, has hit 49, you know, homers before. Yep. Uh, J.P. Crawford, who's starting to figure himself out. He's learning. Like, they probably have to upgrade what, that. But not defensively. Like no. he's a he's Correct. a guy in that lineup that he can bat night for you, and you're not a, you're not just throwing exactly. stuff at the wind. Like exactly, be fine. because he can turn the lineup over if he gets on base, but he's going to play great defense for you. And then you got um, Adam Frazier back at second, and then um, they kind of had a little tie, yeah Ty France, but you also still have uh, Evan White who's waiting over there who had who won a Gold Glove during the COVID season. Um, you know, and then just deal with whoever's behind the plate. But you know, they they can't remember. But you also have uh, Abraham Toro that you got from the Astros last year as a utility guy for you that can play all over the infield. Um, plus, with Robbie Ray pickup, you know, maybe 
another pitcher because you still have Marco Gonzalez there. Um, you have you have some pieces there. Obviously, you got a 90-win team, and then you jump out and you get these two guys. One, I'm happy to see them leave the division because Winker killed us last year. He hit three homers in a game uh, <laughs> against the Cardinals in St. Louis. But, you know, the fact that he's going and Suarez is going, I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. But it also makes my pick a lot better. Tom Murphy is their current catcher. Tom Murphy, Cal Raleigh, and Luis Torrens are basically, I believe, going to platoon that. Um, And again, that's so you have potentially two weaker spots in your offense. One from your catcher, but you're like, hey, if he can just call a great game, be great defensively, we can live with that. And then uh, J.P. Crawford, who you take what you get offensively, but he's going to play great defense. Um, I would dare say that they are the team to beat right now in the AL West, simply because we don't know for sure where Correa is going. The Angels are the Angels. We have to see. You know, can they finally, you know, get there? Um, we've already talked about the A's. And then the Rangers, like, they have to prove it, right? Like, even with the moves they made, they have to prove that they can, you know, play it. So, I really liked this trade when I seen it come through. My big thing with the Mariners, I, I think they have to get a second rotation guy. Um, I, know, I know they have Marco Gonzalez, but... They need one more. They need a number two, I think, in order to in order to really be a dominant team. Um, and so, and yes, I went. I know winning ninety games is 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 pretty dang dominant. However, in order to get up close to that hundred mark, I don't think Robbie Ray's enough. No, he's he's not. But when you look at um, Marco Gonzalez and his four full seasons there, he's won ten game at least ten games every year. The only year he didn't win ten was twenty twenty, but he went seven and two, and he's had a sub four ERA every year. Um, very reliable. Do I think he's going to just jump and be, you know, a strong number two? No. But you also have uh, the young guy in Logan Gilbert who started to show a little bit more promise towards the end of last year. Um, so they have some pieces there. Yes. Would it help to have a bona fide number two or even arguably a number one, you know, one, a one B yes. But I think that for where they're at with their roster, like they, I think they're going to be okay enough. And they play really good defense and play really good defense. Yeah. So I can agree with that. I can agree. So, uh, oh, sorry. The last uh, one is Andrew McCutcheon goes to the Brewers. I don't believe the details of that have been sorted out yet, but uh, he goes to the Brewers and they add a outfielder, um, solid outfielder. Second time they've added an outfielder this offseason with the addition of Hunter Renfro as well. Um, actually, I believe that was in the JBJ, JBJ trade, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, that yeah. was. Uh, so Hunter Renfro now will possibly slide into DH depending on what they do with Vogelbach. And I think they have Rowdy Telez now too. Um, so I guess Renfro will play right field. 
So I, I don't know exactly what they're going to do with Kutch, but um, overall veteran in the locker room. So, well, another guy to watch out for in um, in Seattle. Seattle, yes, Chris Flexen. Yeah, he had a pretty Chris good Flexen. year last year, I believe. Yeah, fourteen and six, three six one ERA. Um, what I like, I mean, the guy's a competitor. Like he he competes. Um, so. Like, yeah. so they have some, they got some guys there that can make something happen for them. So the guys that are still unsigned as of 1030 on March 14th, we have Corey Seager, Chris Bryant, Freddie Freeman, Trevor Story, Nick Castellano, Seiya Suzuki, Kenley Jansen, Anthony Rizzo, and Michael Conforto, and then Kyle Schwarber. Uh, those are there are others that have still not signed, but those are the uh, the top ones, at least in my opinion, that have still not signed. Um, but let's go to some news. Uh, looks like uh, Fernando Tatis will be missing some time after fracturing his wrist in the offseason. Uh, they said that the fracture is not new uh, due to a possible motorcycle accident they don't know if this is the exact cause of the wrist, wrist fracture but apparently there's there has been more than one motorcycle accident that fernando tatis has been in so that is a bit of a problem itself i think the padres will put a halt to that very quickly but the big issue that happened with this is that when it happened to tatis he couldn't go to the team's trainer to get it looked at because they were on lockout so now he reports to spring training and all of a sudden he's got a fractured wrist and now he's got to get surgery and miss a couple months. Big um, loss for the Padres. Big loss. Yeah, huge loss. I mean, obviously um, he's the face of baseball. But one of the faces of baseball. We're not getting right. out of session either. What, you don't want to get on a rabbit hole? No, no. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll just put it this way. He's extremely lucky that they don't void his contract because it, even with all the stuff that you listed, they could have found a way to kind of sneak out of that one. We've seen or heard of a lot of different athletes, not just MLB guys. The first one that comes to mind is uh, Jay Williams, basketball player for Duke coming off a great, you know, NBA season tears his knee up in a motorcycle accident has to retire. That's where a lot of stuff, you know, at least for me, started with, man, like, why? Like, in, in that situation, no matter how much you ride, how skilled you are, it's the margin for error on a motorcycle is so small that you're risking the rest of your career, you know, for those moments, you know, for that brief moment. Where let's just be honest, as a millionaire and as a guy of that statue and status, you can find other ways to thrill seek that doesn't necessarily jeopardize, you know, or have that small of, of an error margin for error, you know? So like I said, it, all, all things considered, I hope, I hope he recovers and does well, but this also doesn't bode well for him because now you can start to question his durability from a lot, from a lot of ways he's, he struggled with the shoulder injury. His rookie year got cut short because of injuries now we're coming into, you know, a year or two later, he's still dealing with different things. And as I've always said, your best ability is your availability. Yep. If he's not available for you, he does nothing. Yep. So 
Um, I, I do, however, agree with the decision to not void his contract because at the end of the day, he's one of the best players in baseball. And if he is healthy after this injury, then all of it, then you cannot burn that bridge with one of the best players in baseball. You have to respect the loyalty of the business and, realize that if you want him to sign back with you, you do not void his contract after this happens. So um, I understand the decision and I, I probably agree with the decision because you can't have Fernando leaving. But, but you're saying, you're saying, Hey, respect the, the business of, of, of the game or the contract of it. Did in, in this, in this example, no, Fernando did not, exactly. did not respect it. So However, if he's not going to respect it, he is young and dumb. Hey, you you're have an to organization a with a lot of money. You have to know. You have to put some of the off-field. This is small off-field issues compared to what a lot of people have done. <laughs> um, I agree. You can, this is stuff you can put behind, and you can say, "Hey, no more motorcycle rides. Let's 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 cut that out. No more adventurous, like uh, thrilling activities that could injure you. Let's put that on the down low for a while." And you can say that and not burn any bridges because you are still paying him this season while he is missing a couple months. So just being honest, like the reason this kind of stings for me a little bit, and and it's not that I'm, let me preface it with, I'm not wishing any harm on anybody at all, but there have been so many players in the last few years that were doing things that were avoidable Mm -hmm. that didn't just cost them some games it cost them their life right so and i hate to say but it starts with jose fernandez right well actually let's go back a little bit just a step before that it was oscar Tavares. uh and this Uh, yeah i I couldn't remember if that was before or after yeah um you know so oscar Tavares. now you know his situation jose fernandez your uh, Donald Ventura, like you have examples there of, Tyler's of guys. Say, say it again. Tyler Skaggs. Yeah. You know, stuff that could be avoided, you know, especially during the off season where it's, yes, we like, we're not telling, obviously we're not going to tell you what to do with your money and your time because you're this gifted athlete and millionaire to do what you want to. But at the same time, it's like, Hey, let's be, a little smarter about it like so if you're not going to be a little bit smarter about it then i'm not i'm not advocating that they should have avoided his contract completely but i it's also that side of hey you know something has to be learned here from that aspect you know and going forward you know so yes i hope he really did take heed to it and say hey i won't be on a motorcycle anymore um but in a lot of ways you got people that will say stuff you know in situations just to kind of placate it. I'm not saying that he did, but it's like, oh yeah, I won't be on a motorcycle anymore. You know, but instead I'm going to go get like a jet ski or, <laughs> you know, just, just yeah. silly stuff like that. that can be avoided, especially during the, during the time of your career, live your life, enjoy it, but let's be safe about it. You know, cause this could have been a very tragic, you know, situation, you know, where we're not talking about him missing three months, but it could have been a, well, what could have been, or it's a sad story to see what happened, you know, and go from there. So, yeah, I know it's bigger than baseball. It's bigger than that, but let's, let's just kind of put stuff in context, man, that, you know, some of these things can be avoided. 
and keep, you know, keep yourself healthy and safe to, to do something that you love to do so much. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, let's move on to a little bit more you know, happy Upbeat, topic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we all know that the minor leagues are practically a guinea pig for rule changes. So the MLB uh, front offices came out today and said that uh, in the minor leagues, I don't remember what level it will be, but they are going to test out bigger bases, uh, the shift ban, pitch clock uh, stuff. And the biggest one that got me was ball and strike challenges. So apparently you are able to challenge one ball or strike. I believe it's per game where it will almost go to a, like a tennis review situation where they go look at it on the jumbotron. And if it crosses or if it, if it hits the line, it's in, if it hits it, if, if it's out of the line, it's out. Like you, you see that in tennis and it's a very quick process. And all of a sudden you just move on with your, with your life. Baseball is looking to implement this. And I read this on Twitter today and I immediately thought it was a pretty good idea for the sport, in my opinion. I, I think tennis does it very well with the replay review situation because it's quick. You can immediately see it. And I think that umpires missing balls and strikes is a part of the game and it's a human element. However, when they miss them in crucial situations that can literally turn a season like in the playoffs or something, I think teams should be able to challenge that and have it be a quick process without making the game go five hours. I, I, I think this is a, a decent option to toy around with in the minor leagues. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but I think it's a, at least a decent option for major league. Uh, I don't. I'm the old man on the stoop. I miss seeing Lou Pinella run out, kick dirt, <laughs> complain about stuff. <laughs> you know, like that stuff to me is what makes baseball baseball. Yes, you talk about the time aspect of it, but if we're honest, ejections don't happen that often in the game. Like, no. all, like you know, so b- giving a a opportunity for coaches or or managers to yell and scream or child or fuss about you know a strike zone because now it becomes so much more of a tactical thing that really doesn't need to be there because it's hey what pitch do you decide to challenge like what pitch do you decide to you know to really you know question is it that seventh inning pitch but then Angel Hernandez blows one in the ninth and you're like, ah, wish I would have kept my challenge. Right. So, I mean, I think it's like kind of a moot point, but at the same time, part of what pitchers and stuff get paid to do, yes, it's to throw strikes, but also with as much data as out there being able to tailor or start to kind of get a feel for who the umpire is, you know, Angel's not going to give you certain pitches. Right. So let's try to, limit how much we go to it, right. Or to locations, that's part of the game, you know, but like I said, if it's a quick process, Hey, I want to challenge, look up at the screen. No, it's a, it's a ball. Okay. Keep going. Right. Cool. I can kind of live with that. But like I said, I still think it's going to turn into some theatrics there where it's going to be, Oh, you want to challenge that ball and strike. Now we're going to walk over to the headset 
for whatever reason, look up at the jumbotron and be like, oh, okay, it was a ball. Then you've wasted two to three minutes, you know, with the older umpires moving slow. I don't think it's going to be that, like, I don't think they'd go over to the headset. I think it would be something where they play it on the big screen at the kind of like they do in tennis where they, they play it and it like it's, it shows the ball, the ball tracer and it hits the line and it says in and instead it would say strike or ball and you'd be, right. and, and then you just move on well, with the day. You probably walk back right. and dug out with strike three, but still. Right. But I think that like in that, like tennis obviously can get away because umpire is already like sitting right there and being honest, like I hadn't really seen too many audible like tennis matches where it's a lot of talking and chattering going on, you know, so it's easier to challenge that because there's just one player, but you know, if you have guys yelling from the dugout now, he has to stop and check to see, you know, who was really saying it. If we're really challenging it, I think it's just going to be a drag. Um, again, I want old school baseball where we argue with umpires, the umpire either throws them out, you know, and says, Hey, stop questioning stuff. Or the umpire takes his medicine. and was like, Hey, you know what? I missed that one. Um, okay, cool. I'll be better. <laughs> but, you know, just think about how much hot mic stuff we lose with like Aaron Boone now, because they want to challenge one call. Now I want, I want those, you know, rants going and bases being stolen Lloyd McClendon style or yeah right you know hats being <laughs> kicked it. around oh man I miss it or or my favorite Jimmy Dugan did anybody tell you, you look like a penis with that hat on <laughs> no 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 you <laughs> misunderstood me <laughs> <laughs> I always love the Jerry uh, the, the Terry Collins rant the um when Syndergaard was on the mound and he threw behind the batter and uh, and then Terry Collins, you gotta give us a shot. I, <laughs> right. I always loved that one. Uh, man, always good. But um, that's all I've got. At least uh, the latest news, uh, just from around the league. Um, Correa still talking to everybody. Story still talking to everybody. Freddie Freeman um, is, is likely with the Dodgers and Yankees. However, teams have been in the mix like the Rays and the Blue Jays. Been a lot of stuff talking on there, but we will get back to that next week. Uh, he's, going sure back, you, he, he's going back to Atlanta, and they're going to have a fearsome lineup there with him and Matt Olson. I can't imagine the look on Mets and Phillies fans when if Freddie Freeman gets signed back to Atlanta. It's going to be fun I, for me. Oh, man. Man, oh, man. But make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Third Base Dugout for that news throughout the week. And we will be back to you at the beginning of next week for more baseball content and more free agency news. And coming up in the in the next few weeks will be our season previews, uh, record predictions, uh, division predictions, World Series predictions, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, all that stuff. We will bring it to you and hopefully Shelly can make it to one of these uh, sometime and and make those predictions with us. If not, we might have to bring a guest on to make some of those predictions. So we'll have to see. But Mike, the next time, think about it. Next time we record this show, baseball would have been played. Crazy. The 18th Friday. Yes. And some teams actually play Thursday. Do that. Yeah. A few teams play Thursday or scheduled for Thursday, but most everybody kicks off Friday. And we'll be able to talk about some, some actual baseball. I'm excited. Incredible. Incredible. Well, Mike, do us the honors. Close it out. Clear eyes, full heart. We'll see y'all next week.